Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jack. Zach Den, this is Unmasked, episode number two. And it's opening day in the MLB. How you feeling over there, Mr. Den? I'm so excited, Jordan. MLB is back. Mookie Betts just got his huge contract. I'm, I'm ready. Huge, huge contract. And speaking of Mookie Betts, we can get right into it with, uh, with the headliners. You're right on with his contract. And last night... Made his debut. Uh, Man, opening night MLB had a lot of strange things going on. Uh, I saw Garrett Cole in pinstripes. There's a rookie pitcher making a debut on opening day. I mean, that's crazy. Mookie in his Dodger blue. It was the first shortened season opener in 20 years for that uh, Yankees game against the Nationals. And really just kind of an odd night altogether, but definitely baseball back. And you hear uh, the Blue Jays have finally found a home. Uh, I know we mentioned on the pod last week that they were still looking and they are going to play in their AAA ballpark in Buffalo, which is kind of sad. But uh, they'll be hosting the Nationals July 29th. So look out for some minor league ballpark action there. Should be kind of funny. Yeah, and NBA news. I know that we've both been watching and the exhibition games, it's kind of been exciting to see teams back on the floor even if there's no fans in the stands um but it's been exciting to see orlando you see bowl bowl with his six blocks seth curry going eight for eight with six threes last night what, what's more impressive to you what stood out dude that, that was both insane i would say for me the bowl bowl stat line was more impressive just because like i didn't really think much of him before that but now like he's i mean i I could see him becoming like a legitimate piece to help that nuggets team for sure a lot of versatility up in that front court now i think Jokic was even starting at point guard in that game so definitely i'm not surprised dude he averages more assists than chris paul isn't that isn't that crazy that's crazy like we're talking about one of the greatest point guards of all time i know i know the team it's different, whatever, but Nikola Jokic averages more assists than Chris Paul. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. He's um, he's so unique. I mean, that's like, they're, if they're going, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but if they're going to go far, it's going to be on his back, even though with Bobo, like you said, they have so much uh, now athleticism and depth on that roster. But, yeah, Jokic is a freak. Um, well, yeah, NBA action. It's going to continue. I don't know if you saw the Mavs-Lakers game last night, but Mavs took that dub. LeBron and AD didn't play in the second half, but who cares? Just just proves that the Mavs have that depth that they need. Um, it was exciting. Um, NFL news and NHL news combined here. We have some name changes, so I want to get your thoughts on this. We have the Seattle Kraken, as they've been named, the Seattle expansion team that will debut in 2021. Um, their logo is an S with a serpent looking animal. And then the Washington NFL team will be known as the Washington football team as owner Dan oh Snyder has made the decision to not replace the nickname for the upcoming season. So for the meantime, they are the Washington football team. Zach Dan, what are your thoughts? What is worse, the Seattle Kraken or the Washington football team? It's got to be the Washington football team. That is the most boring name I've ever heard in my entire life, Jordan. I mean, I heard that – I was, like, thinking about what they could possibly rename their team while keeping the same color scheme and everything. And I saw that going into it, the, the favorite was, like, the Washington Red Tails, uh, which would have been kind of cool. It was, like, supposed to be 
attribute to these like African American um, airmen who were like pilots in World War Two. That would have been like a lot cooler. Uh, I yeah. mean, whatever. It is what it is. They still have time to decide for next season, but yeah, it kind of just shows like a lack of effort on their part. I know it's been a really quick turnaround, but still, to just go forward like that, I mean. They're just going to have the numbers on the helmets. It's going to look like college. You know, I don't know. But at the same time, the Kraken, like the Kraken is like, I'm pretty sure resides between Norway and Greenland. If I know my mythology right here. So <laughs> what, what does that have to do with Seattle? I don't really, I don't really get that, but. That's a good question. Anyway, in more fun news, we got Mike Tyson at age 54 declaring that he is going to come out of retirement and fight Roy Jones Jr. on September 12th. So while that is interesting enough to make matters even more interesting and intriguing, Nate Robinson, former NBA player in China standout, is going to battle internet sensation Jake Paul on the undercard that night. So I ask you, Zach Den, what is the most interesting fight that will occur on September 12th? Dude, I got to hand it to Mike Tyson, honestly. The man is, what, 52 years old? 54. 54. 54 years old. Right, that's... I mean, and he's coming out of retirement to fight. He's like one of, the, I mean, one of the best boxers of all time. Uh, he's usually considered a top ten. I think he had like a fifty and six record, which is crazy. Uh, I mean, Mike Tyson, uh, he was a different, a different breed, and uh, seeing him come back is just unbelievable. Yeah, it's gonna be an interesting night. I'm looking forward. To, I'm not much of a boxing fan to be honest, but just like all of the hype that's gonna be around that with everything going on. And I love Nate Robinson. That was the first dunk contest uh, I ever watched when he won. He's won several times, but the first one I watched, he won. And he's been one of my favorite players doing it. What, like five, seven, or is that not even right? It's just shorter than that. I don't know, but yeah, that'll, that'll be really cool. That will also um, be cool. All right. Last thing. Uh, this is a little closer to home for Cowboys fans. CD lamb agreeing to a four year, $14 million rookie contract think he deserves every penny um but i want to ask you over under so he can hit a thousand yards this year easy over yeah i agree he's a weapon i had the he's a weapon dude he's so good i watched him destroy my longhorns he's so good he he's just like he's got the speed and the height and if you put him in the slot i mean with all the attention it's going to be on amari and I mean, Gallup's also going to benefit from that, but I think that there's enough to go around there in this offense. Problem's not going to be on the offensive side of the ball, to be honest. So, Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for going around the world of sports. Um, should be an interesting week, especially with the exhibition games wrapping up and MLB ramping up. All these sports are kind of getting to a point where um, a lot of news circulating, so we'll try to keep these updated as we can. We're going to move into our segment of the day, power ranking the top 10 teams in the Orlando bubble currently, where they are right now, and their outlook until the playoffs come. So, Zach, I'm going to leave it up to you. You want to start at the top of your list, or rather bottom, we want to go 10 to 1 here? Yeah, let's go 10 to 1. Why not? Uh, I mean, first I got to start with my honorable mention, my honorable mention being the Utah Jazz. I think they're... Unbelievable basketball team, really good. One of the top West teams. I didn't. They didn't break my top ten just because I'm. I'm concerned with how the chemistry is going to be, following all the COVID stuff. Rudy Gobert is the biggest idiot in the NBA, uh, <laughs> and I mean we saw him 
the very beginning of all this, making fun of it and touching everything. And he was the first one who got it uh, and kind of put the league in a disaster. Um, and I, and Donovan Mitchell was not happy with that. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't think that their relationship is going to be the same that it was. And I think that I genuinely think that that will affect chemistry. And that's why they didn't break my top 10 talent wise. I think they're definitely in the top 10, but I just don't, I don't see them being a pr- the premier team. They were, you also, you have to consider they don't have Bon Bohan, Bohan Bogdanovich. Can't, can't ever say that first name. Uh, <laughs> cause he's, he elected for surgery. He's not going to play in that. That's huge as well. Orlando. Huge. Yeah, that's, that's 20 points a game that you're not going to replace. And for a team that looks like they have a lot of talent, which they do, they're sometimes a little stagnant offensively. That team has the shooting and has the scoring. And, you know, Conley's been a great distributor. But a lot of them aren't having their best offensive seasons. And He's all right. Been a, Mike a Conley stepped down. Mike Conley yeah. stepped down a lot this season. He really was not the same player that he was in the Grizzlies. So I agree. I actually have them as my honorable mention as well, right outside the top 10. You know, they can do some damage, um, but I don't I don't really see a consistent win pattern for them, especially when it comes to playoff time. I don't I don't know how they're going to hold up. All right. Who's your number 10? My number 10 has got to be none other than the Miami Heat. That is a great, great lineup. You got Jerry Butler, who's just like showing he, he can be a franchise player this year. He's really stepped up his game. You got Bam Abadayo, who, in my opinion, is the most improved player of the year. Uh, defensive monster. Uh, then you got Kendrick Nunn, who, outside of Zion and Jaw, is like probably, I would say, the best rookie. Uh, besides, I mean, obviously not in their ballpark, but I mean, he really, like, I don't think anybody thought much of him coming in, but he's, he is really special and really contributing a lot to that Miami Heat team. And then you got, of course, the main man from Michigan himself, Duncan Robinson. Oh, yeah, my boy. I mean, that dude, honestly, his three-point game is off the charts. Uh, and he's hitting he's hitting everything. Um, so, I mean, that team is really good and really well put together. And I think they could definitely do some damage. I don't think they have – I don't think they're really – I don't consider them contenders myself, honestly. But um, I think they can definitely go pretty deep. You know, I so I totally agree with everything you say, and probably more so than you realize, because I have them number seven. Um, and I, I think that they are a dark horse contender. I think that this type of environment suits them the best, where there's kind of a lot of uncertainty going around. There's no home court advantage anymore. You're just putting up roster to roster and taking out the fan aspect, the environment aspect. And top to bottom, I think this is the deepest roster in the East. I think you look at it, you also have to remember they traded for Iguodala and Jay Crowder. Like they have, they have this perimeter defense now that they lack the entire year. So you pair that with the outside shooting of Robinson, Tyler Hero, Goran Dragic, Kendrick Nunn. You have the size of Myers Leonard. You have Ke- Kelly Olynyk, and then you have your superstars with Bam and Jimmy. It's like I, you know, I don't not a big Heat fan. I'm a huge Mavs fan, which is pretty much the opposite. But I do have to give it to them. This is a team that I think could go all the way. I have them at seven. Uh, my number 10 is actually the Mavs. I had a hard time putting them um, out of the out of the top 10, even though that they're not one of the top 10 records in the league. But um, I, sh- I think that the Mavs have the, the depth, kind of like the Heat, honestly. They're just a worse defensive team and not as deep as the Heat. But the Mavs have the highest offensive rating in the NBA. They made the most threes. Um, so they're my number 10. I don't, I'm not going to explain too much because I think everyone knows I'm 
I'm a big Mavs fan. So. I, I would rebuttal that though and say I feel like injuries was a major plague for them this season. Uh, and I, I ranked them higher because I think with everybody working together and healthy, I really think they could be a lot better than what they've shown the Mavs. What um, injuries, though, are going to be back? Because there's No, I'm, I'm saying that this season they didn't perform as well as they could have because oh, of the injuries. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Dwight Powell. But now everyone season. seems to be healthy. I think they'll be in a good, a good place. If they had Dwight Powell, I would put them higher. But – him being out still is a. That's I mean, you fair. can't That's... trust Boban as your number two big man, as, as lovable as he is. <laughs> All right, who's your number nine? My number nine. It's probably, I mean, top five talent team, but just not putting it together the Philadelphia 76ers. That team, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, have got to be making an argument for one of the best duos in the NBA. Not to mention Tobias Harris, Al Horford. Josh Richardson, they, they have a really, really nice lineup, but they're, I mean, it's their chemistry problems that are killing them. I, I saw they're putting Ben Simmons at the four now, which I think is, I think is a great move. I really think he can do a lot better at that position um, because that's, I mean, he is that size. Like, uh, hopefully he'll be able to excel. Uh, and I think they have the talent to be a contender, uh, but right now they're just not putting it together. And that's why they're ninth on my list. They're also ninth on my list, and I agree. I like the move Ben Simmons to power forward. Um, but Ben being at the forward doesn't just help him. I think that also allows him to space the floor a little bit better. You have Milton in that starting lineup, someone who can shoot, someone who can run the floor. It's a lot more spread out. You can keep Ben a little further in, inside where he's more comfortable, and it allows defenses – I mean, it prevents them from relaxing, kind of like how they have been on, on Ben Simmons. And I say the Heat are the um, is a team that has the most depth in the East – I would say the Sixers have the most talent, top to bottom, not top to bottom, but um, in terms of their, like their top, they're very top heavy. That's what I meant. There's not a huge, um, there's not a lot of depth on that team, but when you look at the stars, I mean, they're stars. You see Simmons, Harris, Horford, Embiid, Richardson. I mean, those five, like if you wanted to pick any five in the East and put them on the court, I would say that those, that the Sixers would have the edge over every other team. Um, in the conference, I just think that they have yet to really put it together. And, you know, we'll see how this helps them. I know that they've struggled on the road for sure. And this is all, you know, on the road technically. But um, from a positive light, it's pretty much neutral court. So the road, the home court advantage in the playoffs is neutralized. But they are going to be having to play well away from Wells Fargo Center where they're 29-2 and two this year. So we'll see how they do. But I agree. All right. Who's right. number eight? Uh, my number eight, Jordan, is, in my opinion, the most maybe the most talented team in the NBA, but it's the Houston Rockets. <laughs> uh, yeah, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. Like, are you serious? Like, though, that I mean, talking about like two of the most. I mean, these guys are, like very ball heavy, not the most efficient players, but they they're like these are two former MVPs, uh, two former Thunder players, also. Um, paired with Robert Covington, PJ Tucker, Eric Gordon, they they have a nice lineup. The only thing is, the, the thing, the reason I count them out is because there's no center. I, I I don't know. I know that like I think they can torch you, but with no center in the long run, I just don't see how PJ Tucker is going to withstand these these like Anthony Davis, Javale McGee, um, these like like. Good contender with good with <laughs> with good big guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
I I swear uh, for everyone listening, Zach and I did not work together on this, but I also have the Rockets at eight. Uh, and Uh-oh. for the same reasons, the small ball and the, and the floor spacing. I think that that's actually an advantage, though. Um, like, I think that, sorry, I agree with you in that their, their floor spacing with Russell Westbrook and James Harden is why they're so why they're so dangerous. I think that that's maximized with the small ball, though. I think that this allows when you look at uh, Westbrook's numbers post the All Star break, he's twenty nine eight and six, shooting fifty three percent. Like that's he's taking a three and a half less a game because this lane is is wide open for him to attack. And I think that that small ball is going to help them in the short run. But I agree, long run, we're talking postseason. I wouldn't pick them in a series against teams with height. But I mean, they're eleven and six without Capella right now. So whatever's working, it's it's working against teams that maybe aren't playoff caliber. But um, I think they're in a good place right now. We can reevaluate when the playoffs come. But I agree, um, they're number eight for me. Who's your number seven? My seven is is the Heat, by the way. So I'm not gonna debate you on that. But who's yours? And your number ten was the Mavs. Yes. My number seven is the Mavs, and my number ten ah. was the Heat. I got to give it to the Mavs. Like I'm telling you, with a fully, for the most part, healthy roster, Luca and Kristaps, like those guys, I mean, the new Nash and Dirk, right? That's a really <laughs> great yeah. duo. Um, good Hardaway. Seth Curry went off last night. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, this is a good team, good roster, great coach. Um, I think they can go far, and I think – I think if in the right circumstances, given the right circumstances, I think they can go much further than people expect. Yeah, I was telling my dad last night, the Mavs' third best player is whoever is going to score 20 that night. Like, you don't know. There's seven guys who could be the third best player. I mean, Hardaway probably has the most talent, but he's Seth Curry. Like, he scored 23 points last night on eight of eight shooting, like, out of nowhere. You know, you have have guys who can just light it up in a hurry and – even with the injuries, I love the Mavs, and I I really think they can they can do some damage. Especially you got Dorian Finney-Smith, who's a oh, lockdown yeah. defender. Defender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they JJ Barea is a tenured point guard who brings that championship knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Only it's a good team. Ring. Only yeah. one of the ring. That's right. I mean, it's a good, it's a well built team, um, and I think they're gonna be. They can do. They can definitely do some damage. Yeah. All right, who's your six? My six is none other than the Denver Nuggets. Um, you got – I mean, like I said earlier, I love Nikola Jokic. I think he's the best center in the league. Um, he's – we saw he lost an incredible amount of weight this offseason, and I think that will just make him more unstoppable. Uh, I, mean, he's, I mean, he's practically a point center, which I've never even heard of before. Uh, the man yeah. is averaging more assists than Chris Paul who is maybe probably the best like career point guard in this league right now. Uh, Nikola Jokic. Then you got Jamal Murray. Uh, I mean, pretty much the thing about Jokic is you, you have just so many shooters on that team who are good and who will hit um, paired with Jokic. You can just dish it out because they're going to double Jokic. Uh, it's just a very well-built team. It kind of reminds me of the 2011 Mavs in a way, kind of like all these shooters around Dirk. I mean, who's also a shooter, and Jokic is also a shooter. Not not like a dirt caliber shooter, but he's good. Uh, it's it, that's a really good team, um, and I think they could. I think they could. They're my dark horse. Them and the the Raptors. 
Yeah, I um I completely agree with that. I think that very the Raptors and the Nuggets are very similar to be honest, but that Nuggets mass comparison uh from 2011 spot on. I think that it's, you know, really good really underrated player um at the focal point of your offense and then anchoring your team and then around him you have a lot of really great role players, you know, Jason Kidd and Jamal Murray like serve very similar purposes. Um, then you have a lot of shooting, a lot of athleticism. I have the Nuggets five because um, I really like the Nuggets. But um, so who's your six? I'll talk to them in a. Sorry, who's your six? So I have the Celtics six. Really, um, I really really like the Celtics. I think that they are really deep when healthy. I mean, Kemba, Smart, Brown, Tatum, Cantor, Hayward, um, whoever you want to put out. They have all these uh, weapons. And shooting and great coaching. Taco Fall. Yeah, Taco. Um, But they, I mean, they're a sneaky top five in both defensive and offensive ratings. So you wouldn't expect it. But they have this playoff experience. You know how you talked about on the podcast last time that they went up against LeBron toe-to-toe. Was it 2017 or 2018? Yeah, 2018. And so the Celtics are a really great team. I just don't know if they have it. Like, if they if the game comes down to it, are they and they're in a tough series with a tough team? Is Kemba gonna rise to the occasion with literally no playoff experience? Is Jason Tatum in his three years gonna be able to take over a series? You know, there's a, a couple question marks there. Injury history with some of those players, obviously, even this season. So I I really 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 like the Celtics. I mean, I have them six. I just I like the Nuggets more. So makes sense. That's fair. That's very fair. Um, my five is the Raptors. That Raptors team is so good. I talk about them all the time. I think Kawhi obviously was the piece that made them get that championship, but I don't think they're losing it. I think they really have stepped up since since last year, every single player on that team. Kyle Lowry, the, like, he's one of the only true point guards still left. Um, he's great. Siakam, night and day difference this year to last year. He's one of my favorite players in the NBA. He kind of reminds me of Kevin Garnett in a way with like, he has that great versatile defense, and he has a nice little touch um, to just add his extra talent. I mean, Van Fleet's really stepping it up this year. You got it's a deep team. OG Anobi, Marcus Saul, Ibaka, Norman Powell. It's, I mean, just great all around team offense and defense. Yeah, I have the Raptors four, so I I'll talk about them in a second. I completely agree with everything you said, though. Um, I talk about my five, the Nuggets, a little bit more. We saw Bol Bol uh, in a little bit, like in a little flash in the pan there um, with his athleticism and his ability to block shots. It was like, are we going to see it again? You know, is it just that one time? Is he excited to be in the NBA finally? Are they going to play him a lot? Who knows? But, I mean, if he's heating up and Michael Porter Jr. is reportedly on his way to Orlando, you have Jamal Murray and and Gary Harris that are going to come back. Then you can't forget about Paul Millsap, Mason Plumlee, Jeremy Grant. Like, these are guys who are big, athletic, can shoot. Not Plumlee as much, but then they signed Troy Daniels uh, to help space the floor. That's an underrated signing. You didn't get a lot of time with the Lakers, but maybe Denver can use him. Then you got Will Barton. I mean, the guys who are just it, – it's a deep team, and all of them can score. That's never been the issue. And I think that with Michael Porter Jr. and Bol Bol gaining confidence, that's – I mean, that just adds a ton of versatility on the defensive end to go along with Jokic and Jeremy Grant. 
on players that can protect the rim, switch on other players. And um, I really think it could all click for Denver. But again, it's it's been a little rocky at times for them. So it really just depends on if Jokic can seize the moment, kind of like Derek did in 2011. If, if you don't have a ton of stars around you, you're vulnerable, you know. But if you have a great cast and they all perform at, uh, at a high level at the right time, anything can happen. So I have them at five. It's great. Who's your, who's your four? My four is none other than the Boston Celtics. I think that lineup is insane. You talked about it a good amount. But, I mean, yeah, top five offense and defense. Um, Jalen Brown, Kimba Walker, Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, and Daniel Tice. And then depth, Marcus Smart, who might be the best defensive guard in the league. Um, Ennis Cantor is a great big man. Um, just a great all-around team. Uh, I think they're, they might be the only team that has – they have four starters who are averaging 20 or at least very close. Jalen Brown averages 20. Uh, Jason Tatum averages like 20, 23 or something. Kemba Walker averages 21. And then Gordon Hayward is close. He averages, I think, 17. Uh, yeah, that's, that's like having four, like most teams that only have one or two guys averaging the 20. These guys have almost four. <laughs> um, very good all around offense and defense. Um, and I think since, since all-star break, Jason Tatum has been going off. The man has been averaging like 30 points per game since all-star break, which is unbelievable. Um, him and LeBron are the only two players under 22 in NBA history to surpass um, 30 points uh, in like in four road wins, uh, which is, I mean, just a niche stat, but um, pretty, pretty remarkable. It says a lot about how, who he's going to, how he's going to turn out. This guy is a franchise player and he's unbelievable. Yeah, he's been great post all star, um, and that team, the Celtics are like I said, you know, they have a, a very deep team when they're all healthy and when they're all clicking like that. But I, I just, I don't know what makes you put them over the Raptors. Is there a certain quality, certain player? What do you think? Uh, what are you thinking there? I mean, I just think the all around team is better. I think Tatum and, and Siakam are pretty pretty close. I would say overall. Um, but then every, like when you think of everybody else, I would say the Celtics just have an edge in depth and in overall talent. I mean, like I said, four players averaging pretty much 20 points per game. That's unheard of. That's unheard of. Um, and the Celtics are getting it done night in, night out and great defense and offense. I, I, I would put them over and also their coaching. I mean, I guess both have great coaching. Brad Stevens is an excellent coach. Yeah, I, um, you know, the 20-point thing, I think that's really impressive. The Raptors do have six guys scoring in double figures a night, you know, and five of them are above 16 points a game. And they – it's like they – it's a group effort almost. It's really impressive, I think. So they're my four. And so I just want to talk a little bit about them. But I I just – after watching Siakam in the finals last year, I know it was all about Kawhi, but Siakam had his moments. You know, there was that one game where he dropped 30-something and really turned the tide of the series – and Norman Powell, like, can we talk about him for a second? Norman Powell has doubled his career average in points this year. He's averaging over wow. 16 a game, and he's shooting over 50% from the field. Oh, man. And this is a guy who's an outside shooter, too. You know, that's crazy. With six guys in double figures, you know, too, and, and OG and Anobi missed the postseason run last year. And this year, he's back averaging 11-5, and five, a steal and a half a game. He's their best perimeter defender. 
along with Siakam. I think they're both great. Um, but I mean, and those those top six scores are scoring double digits. That doesn't even include Marcus Hall, who's um, who's an anchor in that locker room. He's a defensive anchor on that team. He's still playing over twenty seven minutes a game. It's not like he's not out there, you know. But he's he's averaging like seven and a half and five and a half and three a game. I mean, he's providing a contribution while being a vocal leader on that team. I just think that the playoff experience and everything about this team, I just it's really impressed me how resilient they've been this year. I think that that's just going to continue. I don't really, I can't really speak to what the magic has been, honestly, because they lost Kawhi. They didn't really add anyone, but they've done an amazing job making up for that loss. And I think that they're one of the easily one of the top five teams, but I have it for um, going into the restart. Respect. Um, um, all right. Now it's time for the top three. So I know we have the same top three, obviously. So, up to this point, I, you guys have realized we have the exact same teams in our top 10, just slightly different orders. Um, but I think generally most of the most of America would have have these teams in the top 10. But this top three is pretty universal as well. Uh, you want to start us off with your number three? Number three, the Clippers. I mean, this lineup is, is insane. <laughs> like, I don't understand how people th- – th- this it's – Beverly, Paul George, Kawhi. I mean, then you got Trez and Lou coming off the bench. Zubak. Just like, like, like defensively, I don't understand. I don't think any team is on caliber with that with them. Like Kawhi is a former depoy. Paul George has been in the conversation tons of times. Um, Patrick Beverly is in the conversation this year. I think he's top five candidate. Trez was. I mean, Trez is an incredible defender. Uh, I mean, it just the defense is. Is unstoppable, and offensively they're not lacking either. I mean, Paul George and Kawhi are two of the best offensive players in the game. They're also a team that's ranked top five in both offense and defense. Um, this this Clippers team is very very good, and Kawhi is a bona fide superstar in clutch time in the playoffs. Um, I would not be shocked if they win the championship. Um, and they're they're a very good team, very well built. Uh, I, I put them at three just because, I mean, they're going up against Giannis, going up against LeBron and Davis. But uh, I, I don't like really it's a, it's a toss up from the, out of this out of these three for me. So I have the Clippers at two. I have the Lakers at three. Um, and I know you, you um, feel very strongly about the Lakers. So I think that we should uh, I'll, I'll tell you why I like the Clippers. And then I think we should debate um, how well they match up against the Lakers. So. So the Clippers, you mentioned it, Kawhi, Paul George. I mean, those are two of the best two-way players in the NBA, two top 15 guys when they're healthy, probably top 10 when they're actually healthy, and um, really the most talent of anyone in the league, to be honest. Like, I talk about the Eastern Conference teams that are more talented. The Clippers, I think, have the most talent of anyone. Um, they, they add now Marcus Morris, who's barely gotten his feet wet in L.A., a 20-point-per-game night with the Knicks. Uh, I'll be at the Knicks, but the Knicks. Um, they add him to a bench cast with Lou Will, Trez, Reggie Jackson, Jermichael Green, Patrick Patterson, dare I say, Joakim Noah. I mean, that's that's a lot of grit. Oh, I miss toughness. that guy. But that's, I mean, yeah, you hate him, but you, you like him when he's on your team as long as he's not shooting with his hands out to the side. But that's a lot <laughs> of grit and toughness and shooting to go with a dangerous starting five that has more – grit toughness and shooting and and size and defense and it's just an all-around team that's well coached um a lot of these teams are well coached which 
maybe a, a factor there, a common theme. But I love them. As far as the Lakers go, I have them three uh, because I really think that they took a hit. I think Avery Bradley not being there, I think Rondo getting hurt for six to eight weeks, I think that really hurts a team that was already a fringe depth team. I mean, the Lakers, you, it's hard to go from a team that's not even relevant. But they added J.R. Smith. The number three. Yeah, okay. J.R. JR and Waiters, if they can replace the defense that Bradley and Rondo, then that's a whole different story. But come playoff time, it's going to be it's gonna be up to Anthony Davis because we all know LeBron. We all know what he can do. Either Kawhi or Paul George, one of them is going to take LeBron. And then the it's going to turn to can AD exploit a quickness mismatch with a big or can he hold his own down low and take advantage of his height against a Paul George or a Kawhi or, or if they put someone smaller than him on, on him? And can he take over a series like he took over that 2018 uh, Blazers series? Like, it's just, you, you don't really, there's a lot of wild cards here. He doesn't have a ton of experience in the playoffs. It's kind of like the Celtics, like I said, with Kemba Walker. You don't really know who's going to take over if it's not going to be LeBron. And, you know, I love LeBron. I think that's why they're in the top three here because of his um, ability to stay where he is and at the level he's been at for so long. But, I mean, can the supporting cast lift him up when the defense of Kawhi, Paul George, Giannis, whoever it's going to be, is so suffocating? Listen, man, you make some great points. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you're going up against LeBron James and Anthony Davis. LeBron James is hungry, dude, and he's playing like it this season. The man is averaging the most assists in the league. LeBron James is not really – even so, he's averaging the most assists in the league. I mean – like, yeah, Rondo and Avery Brad, they're huge hits. Don't get me wrong. They definitely are great facilitators, great defensive presence. But, like, it's LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Like, that's, I would say, two of the top five players on the same team. Um, and LeBron, I mean, LeBron is he's just unstoppable, dude. He might be MVP this season. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I mean, I'd give it to Giannis personally, but he's – it's, I mean, he's hungry, dude. He wants that championship, and, and so does Davis. See, I, I would think as a Spurs fan, you would be so conscious of the ability to win team and the depth that it takes to win an NBA championship or to have success. Like, you know, this is such an example with LeBron and AD of, of how the Heat went in and, and lost to the Spurs. I know that, you know, they split, but the Spurs dominated the Heat consistently, you know, and they never had a guy who – at the time was a top five player in the league when they played the heat. And so I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I tend to look more at depth and looking, watching last night, the Lakers play the Mavs. I know it's an exhibition game, but there's just no one to really carry that second unit. You know, it's like you have Caruso, you have Katavia, but when it really comes down to it, I mean, you're not, that second unit is not even comparable to, the Clippers taller, but now you have Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell, you know, and, and Reggie Jackson. It's it's a deep team that's going to punish the Lakers uh, in their second unit. You got to call me out like that, man. Uh, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. Definitely valid. Definitely valid. But, like, we're also talking about LeBron James. Like, this man, yeah, you could talk about depth and how it has beaten him in the past, but he's also, like, what about the year when he took on the Warriors? Like, they come back from that 3-1 lead. Like, he, he wanted it, and he, he got it, dude. He's the one of the greatest players of all time and one of the greatest championship performers of all time. Um, the, I mean, I just don't I, – I don't see how that he could be stopped. 
I have the Bucks number one. I want to hear why you put them number two. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and you're right. I do put the Lakers number one. I guess I'm a little uh, biased towards LeBron and his greatness. But um, I would say, okay, I, I firmly believe Giannis right now is the greatest player in the league. Right now. Um, he should be depoy and MVP. I mean, he this man is unstoppable. And he's just an all-around beast. Uh, I guess my reason for putting them as number two, even though I, w- I would agree with you that they're deeper, um, is more in the, like, the secondary player of uh, Chris Middleton versus Anthony Davis. I think I think Chris Middleton is great, great defender, great shooter. He's he's good, good all around, premier player. But I mean, Anthony Davis is just another another animal. Like he's uh, probably I would say a top five player in the league. Paired with LeBron James, um, it just, it just when you have those two together, there's just nobody in my mind who compares to that. Those two are unstoppable, and they're. I mean, yeah, that's fair. But I really do think that the Bucks have the the, def- the defensive prowess to disrupt a lot of what the Lakers have going on. I mean. The Bucks have the top defensive rating in the league, and that's that's been clear. But then you have Middleton, Wes Matthews, Kyle Korver, three of the best floor spacers in the league, and, and Wes Matthews, we know, can defend on the other end. And Brooke Lopez is a resurgence. I mean, it's just like they – it's a constant onslaught of guys, Ersan Sova, George Hill, guys who can score, guys who are vets and, and know what it takes at this point. And then you have Giannis. You have the guy who could win Defensive Player of the Year and MVP in the same year. I mean, he is so unstoppable. It's not even funny. It's just going to be hard, I agree, for the Bucks to be able to match up with LeBron and AD because they are both top five players. But I do think it all comes back to the Lakers' depth. I mean, they're going to be missing guys, key guys, in that second part of the rotation that help carry the team And when LeBron and AD aren't in there. So unless AD turns into Superman mode and, and goes <laughs> to a Giannis-like level, I don't see them winning in a series. And honestly, the only reason why I don't have the Clippers number one is because the recent injury history and, and the fact that some of those Clippers guys aren't in the bubble right now. There's a couple question marks in the air. But I really do think the Clippers make a case to, um, to be on, on top of Milwaukee there. But I just – I've loved how Milwaukee has played together. I mean, Eric Bledsoe, another guy who I, I didn't mention there. But, um, I mean, Bledsoe, Middleton, and Giannis are – it's hard to find three three guys better than that that are going to be in the playoffs. And then when you, you supply the shooting and the athleticism and the defense that comes with that team, I just I can't see anyone stopping them. But it's going to be a really fun playoffs because this top three is a lot closer than you think. I would say uh, we are sleeping a little bit on the Lakers' depth. Like, they do have Kyle Kuzma, who I know, I mean, compared to Ingram, maybe wasn't the right move to keep him, whatever. He's a good player. I mean, he, he can score – He's he's a good a nice piece to have there. They have Danny Green, who I mean I'm a little biased on Danny Green, but he's a great wing defender, like top tier wing defender and three point shooter who's proven who's also a bona fide playoff performer. Um, Dwight Howard, uh, they have a good they have a good group. Javale McGee, uh, not to mention my man Alex Caruso. I mean they have they have their depth is not bad. Um, but, uh, I mean, still, I see what you're saying. I, I definitely think that the Bucks are a more 
all-around team uh, around Giannis, who is the best player in the league. Um, but still, I think the LeBron-Davis duo, in my opinion, outshines the Giannis-Chris Middleton duo. Danny's, Danny Green shooting under 40% from three. And if you look at his numbers last year, double figures, he was shooting you know, 46% from three. Like He's a guy who he needs to be on, and he's been extremely inconsistent. So you know, there's just a lot of variables. I'm just saying that it's a lot more risky to go with a team like that with their depth than the Clippers that have a lot of these experienced, consistent guys who have been performing for a lot of the years. Same with the Bucks. But again, should be really interesting. I'm really looking forward to um, this stretch run, these eight games, and, and the playoffs that come after it. All right. Well, that uh, that concludes our top ten. Also, want to shout out the Blazers. Yeah, Charles Barkley says if they get in the playoffs, they're gonna beat the Lakers. So we'll see about that. But uh, it's a dangerous team. I mean, it is a dangerous team. All right. Well, when we come back, we'll have this day in history uh, for all you guys. So stay with us on Unmasked. And we're back with Unmasked. And it's time for some birthday shout-outs. Today is a special day for a trio of former Lakers, side of controversy as well. Happy 24th to the aforementioned Kyle Kuzma. Uh, Zach gave him some love, but from an unknown player to a rookie stud to most important young Lakers piece in the Anthony Davis trade to blonde hair to disappointment to solid rotation piece now, I guess you could say he's seen it all. Um, But (laughs) hopefully... Has a, a great year number 24 with his career lows, but still promising career ahead of him. Um, happy 50th to Rick Fox, the former Laker who was a part of those three-peat teams in a 13-year career. Um, and also Carl Malone, who is a former Laker, believe it or not. Um, he had a, a great career. I mean, two-time MVP, 14-time All-Star Hall of Famer. But second greatest, second greatest power forward of all time. All right, we're... That's that's another podcast. Um, but he, his country lifestyle. Um, when I interviewed him about the Jordan Doc and this kind of like in his barn with his truck and oh, yeah. the fact that everyone reflects on him not winning a ring and referring to himself in the third person all the time and you know that affair with the thirteen year old in the eighties. Um, everything's kind of coming to light negatively with him now, especially the fact that he didn't want to participate in the last dance doc. So. Not doing so great, but he's 56 today, so make sure you wish him a happy birthday. <laughs> uh, and lastly, um, or second to last, excuse me, we have a very controversial birthday, but happy 55th to Barry Bonds. The all-time homers, but he will always be known for not being able to crack the Hall of Fame because of his steroids. So kind of to remember him, but definitely. Give it to him. And lastly, we've got Furkan Korkmaz, the Turkish sniper. I love him, dude. He, he needs to be a spur someday. Except he won a Turkish League dunk contest, which I'm pretty sure Marco Bellinelli never did. So, <laughs> But yeah, he's averaging career high in pretty much everything. So happy birthday to him. Enjoy 22. That's crazy. He's 22 and more like 2021. 20, so, all right. Well, this day in history is also not just about birthdays. It's also the 37th anniversary of the George Brett Pine Tar game in Homer after determining an illegally corked bat. They protested it. They replayed it. The Royals still won anyway, but it was just a really big moment. Charged the mound. Uh, he got really mad. 15th anniversary of Lance Armstrong's first retirement after his seventh straight Tour de France victory. 
Another controversial character. Yeah, this was all kind of before his controversy, though. But he, so kind of when it was all happy and, and winning for him. But yeah, you're right. Since there's been every, everything under the sun has been um, alleged about Lance Armstrong and with his doping and his charity and everything. But it's all good. Happy, not happy birthday, happy anniversary uh, to his first retirement. He ended up coming back, but retired again. And Zach, can you tell me where he went to high school? Fun fact. I cannot tell you where he went to high school. Plano East Senior High. Really? Yeah, Lance Armstrong. Who would have known? All right. Well, that wraps up our show. Um, I want to shout out uh, everyone who listened to the first podcast and listened to this one if you made it this far. We really appreciate it. Um, it's been a lot of fun, Zach. I, I know we, we love doing this. and so. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, Looking forward to next week. Tuesday, we're going to be back with our third podcast. We're going to have our first guest, Kyle Schultz, friend of mine at Michigan and founder of Major League Wiffle Ball. Uh, you can check out that Twitter account or whatever social media account. Uh, they're on everything. And make sure to tune in. He's the founder of MLW. He's really grown it. And he's going to talk about that. He's going to talk about going on Barstool Big Cats podcast, talk about the MLB season and some predictions be a good time so that'll be tuesday and also a shout out to our new sound engineer and editor my cousin adam lowey he's going to be helping us out next week he's currently as we speak taking his pilots test so hopefully we can celebrate with him when he joins us uh starting next week but yeah that's it and and make sure to listen share subscribe be happy eat cake whatever you want to do (laughs) we'll see you next week